Question 16, Part 1 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 16. Of those things which are applicable to Christ in his being and becoming. In twelve articles. Part 1. Articles 1 through 5. We must now consider the consequences of the union. And first, as to what belongs to Christ in himself. Secondly, as what to belongs to Christ in relation with his Father. Thirdly, as to what belongs to Christ in relation to us. Concerning the first, there occurs a double consideration. The first is about such things as belong to Christ in being and becoming. The second regards such things as belong to Christ by reason of unity. Under the first head, there are twelve points of inquiry. First, whether this is true, God is man. Second, whether this is true, man is God. Third, whether Christ may be called a lordly man. Fourth, whether what belongs to the Son of Man may be predicated of the Son of God and conversely. Fifth, whether what belongs to the Son of Man may be predicated of the divine nature, and what belongs to the Son of God of the human nature. Sixth, whether this is true, the Son of God was made man. Seventh, whether this is true, man became God. Eighth, whether this is true, Christ is a creature. Ninth, whether this is true, this man, pointing out Christ, began to be, or always was. Tenth, whether this is true, Christ as man is a creature. Eleventh, whether this is true, Christ as man is God. Twelfth, whether this is true, Christ as man is a hypostasis or person. First article. Whether this is true, God is man. Objection 1. It would seem that this is false. God is man. For every affirmative proposition of remote matter is false. Now this proposition, God is man, is on remote matter since the forms signified by the subject and predicate are most widely apart. Therefore, since the aforesaid proposition is affirmative, it would seem to be false. Objection to further. The three divine persons are in greater mutual agreement than the human nature and the divine. But in the mystery of the Incarnation, one person is not predicated of another. For we do not say that the Father is the Son, or conversely. Therefore, 
it seems that the human nature ought not to be predicated of God by saying that God is man. Objection 3 further. Athanasius says in his Symbol of the Faith that, as the soul and flesh are one man, so are God and man one Christ. But this is false. The soul is the body. Therefore, this also is false. God is man. Objection for further. As it was said in the first part, question 39, article 4, that what is predicated of God, not relatively but absolutely, belongs to the whole trinity and to each of the persons. But this word man is not relative but absolute. Hence, if it is predicated of God, it would follow that the whole trinity and each of the persons is man, and this is clearly false. On the contrary, it is written in Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, who being in the form of God emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and in habit found as a man. And thus he who is in the form of God is man. Now he who is in the form of God is God. Therefore, God is man. I answer that this proposition, God is man, is admitted by all Christians, yet not in the same way by all. For some admit the proposition, but not in the proper acceptation of the terms. Thus the Manichaeans say the word of God is man, not indeed true, but fictitious man, inasmuch as they say that the Son of God assumed an imaginary body, and thus God is called man as a bronze figure is called man, if it has the figure of a man. So too, those who held that Christ's body and soul were not united, could not say that God is true man, but that he is figuratively called man by reason of the parts. Now both these opinions were disapproved above, in question 2, article 5, and in question 5, article 1. Some, on the contrary, hold the reality on the part of man, but deny the reality on the part of God. For they say that Christ, who is God and man, is God not naturally, but by participation, that is, by grace, even as all other holy men are called gods, Christ being more excellently so than the rest, on account of his more abundant grace. And thus, when it is said that God is man, God does not stand for the true and natural God. And this is the heresy of Photinus, which was disapproved above, in question 2, articles 10 and 11. But some admit this proposition, together with the reality of both terms, holding that Christ is true God and true man, yet they do not preserve the truth of the predication. For they say that man is predicated of God by reason of a certain conjunction, either of dignity, or of authority, or of affection, or indwelling. It was thus that Nestorius held God to be man, nothing further being meant than that God is joined to man by such a conjunction that man is dwelt in by God, and united to him in affection and in a share of divine authority and honor. And into the same error 
fall those who suppose true supposita or hypostases in Christ, since it is impossible to understand how, of two things distinct in suppositum or hypostases, one can be properly predicated of the other, unless merely by a figurative expression, inasmuch as they are united in something, as if we were to say that Peter is John, because they are somehow mutually joined together. And these opinions also were disapproved above, in question 2, articles 3 and 6. Hence, supposing the truth of the Catholic belief, that the true divine nature is united with true human nature, not only in person, but also in suppositum or hypostasis, we say that this proposition is true and proper, God is man, not only by the truth of its terms, that is, because Christ is true God and true man, but by the truth of the predication. For a word signifying the common nature in the concrete may stand for all contained in the common nature, as this word man may stand for any individual man. And thus this word God, from its very mode of signification, may stand for the person of the Son of God, as it was said in the first part, question 39, article 4. Now of every suppositum of any nature, we may truly and properly predicate a word signifying that nature in the concrete, as man may properly and truly be predicated of Socrates and Plato. Hence, since the person of the Son of God, for whom this word God stands, is a suppositum of human nature. This word man may be truly and properly predicated of this word God as it stands for the person of the Son of God. Reply to Objection 1. When different forms cannot come together in one suppositum, the proposition is necessarily in remote matter, the subject signifying one form and the predicate another. But when two forms can come together in one suppositum, the matter is not remote, but natural or contingent, as when I say, something white is musical. Now the divine and human natures, although most widely apart, nevertheless come together by the mystery of the Incarnation in one suppositum, in which neither exists accidentally, but both essentially. Hence this proposition is neither in remote nor in contingent, but in natural matter. And man is not predicated of God accidentally, but essentially, as being predicated of its apostasies, not indeed by reason of the form signified by this word God, but by reason of the suppositum, which is a hypostasis of human nature. Reply to Objection 2. The three divine persons agree in one nature, and are distinguished in suppositum, and hence they are not predicated one of another. But in the mystery of the Incarnation, the natures, being distinct, are not predicated one of the other in the abstract. For the divine nature is not the human nature, but because they agree in suppositum, they are predicated of each other in the concrete. Reply to Objection 3. Soul and flesh 
are taken in the abstract, even as Godhead and manhood. But in the concrete we may say animate and carnal or corporeal, as on the other hand, God and man. Hence in both cases the abstract is not predicated of the abstract, but only the concrete of the concrete. Reply to Objection 4. This word, man, is predicated of God because of the union in person, and this union implies a relation. Hence it does not follow the rule of those words which are absolutely predicated of God from eternity. Second article. Whether this is true, man is God. Objection 1. It would seem that this is false. Man is God. For God is an incommunicable name. Hence, Wisdom 13.10 and Wisdom 14.21 states that idolaters are rebuked for giving the name of God, which is incommunicable, to wood and stones. Hence, with equal reason does it seem unbecoming that this word God should be predicated of man. Objection to further, whatever is predicated of the predicate may be predicated of the subject. But this is true, God is the Father, or God is the Trinity. Therefore, if it is true that man is God, it seems that this also is true, man is the Father, or man is the Trinity. But these are false. Therefore, the first is false. Objection 3 further. It is written in Psalm 80, verse 10, There shall be no new God in thee. But man is something new, for Christ was not always man. Therefore this is false. Man is God. On the contrary, it is written in Romans 9, verse 5, Of whom is Christ according to the flesh, who is over all things, God blessed forever. Now Christ, according to the flesh, is man. Therefore, this is true. Man is God. I answer that, granted the reality of both natures, that is, divine and human, and of the union in person and hypostasis, this is true and proper. Man is God even as this, God is man. For this word, man, may stand for any hypostasis of human nature, and thus it may stand for the person of the Son of God, whom we say is a hypostasis of human nature. Now it is manifest that the word God is truly and properly predicated of the person of the Son of God, as was said in the first part, question 39, article 4. Hence it remains that this is true and proper. Man is God. Reply to Objection 1. Idolaters attributed the name of the deity to stones and wood considered in their own nature because they thought there was something divine in them. But we do not attribute the name of the deity to the man in his human nature, but in the eternal suppositum, 
which by union is a suppositum of human nature, as stated above. Reply to Objection 2. This word, Father, is predicated of this word, God, inasmuch as this word, God, stands for the person of the Father. And in this way it is not predicated of the person of the Son, because the person of the Son is not the person of the Father. And consequently, it is not necessary that this word, Father, be predicated of this word, Man, of which the word, God, is predicated, inasmuch as Man stands for the person of the Son. Reply to Objection 3. Although the human nature in Christ is something new, yet the suppositum of human nature is not new, but eternal. And because this word God is predicated of man not on account of the human nature, but by reason of the suppositum, it does not follow that we assert a new God. But this would follow if we held that man stands for a created suppositum, even as must be said by those who assert that there are two supposita in Christ. Confer question to Articles 3 and 6. Third article. Whether Christ can be called a lordly man. Translator's note. The question is hardly apposite in English. St. Thomas explains why we can say in Latin, for example, Oratio Dominica, the Lord's Prayer, or Passio Dominica, our Lord's Passion, but not speak of our Lord as Homo Dominicus, a lordly man. End of note. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ can be called a lordly man. For Augustine says in his 83 questions, question 36, that we are to be counseled to hope for the goods that were in the lordly man. And he is speaking of Christ. Therefore, it seems that Christ was a lordly man. Objection to further. As lordship belongs to Christ by reason of his divine nature, so does manhood belong to the human nature. Now God is said to be humanized, as is plain from Damascene in on the True Faith 3.11, where he says that, being humanized, manifests the conjunction with man. Hence, with like reason, it may be said denominatively that this man is lordly. Objection 3 further. As lordly is derived from lord, so is divine derived from Deus, God. But Dionysius, in On the Ecclesiastical Hierarchy 4, calls Christ the Most Divine Jesus. Therefore, with like reason, may Christ be called a lordly man. On the contrary, Augustine says in his Retractions 119, I do not see that we may rightly call Jesus Christ a lordly man, since he is the Lord himself. I answer that, as was said above in Article 2, Third Reply. When we say, the man Christ Jesus, we signify the eternal suppositum, which is the person of the Son of God, 
because there is only one suppositum of both natures. Now God and Lord are predicated essentially of the Son of God, and hence they ought not to be predicated denominatively, since this is derogatory to the truth of the union. Hence, since we say lordly, denominatively from lord, it cannot truly and properly be said that this man is lordly, but rather that he is lord. But if, when we say the man Christ Jesus, we mean a created suppositum, as those who assert two supposita in Christ, this man might be called lordly inasmuch as he is assumed to a participation of divine honor, as the Nestorian said. And even in this way, the human nature is not called divine by essence, but deified, not indeed by its being converted into the divine nature, but by its conjunction with the divine nature in one hypostasis, as is plain from Damascene, in On the True Faith 3, 11 and 17. Reply to Objection 1. Augustine retracts these and like words in his Retractions, 119. Hence, after the foregoing words, he adds, Wherever I have said this, notably that Christ Jesus is a lordly man, I wish it unsaid, having afterwards seen that it ought not be said, although it may be defended with some reason. That is, because one might say that he was called a lordly man by reason of the human nature, which this word man signifies, and not by reason of the suppositum. Reply to Objection 2. This one suppositum, which is of the human and divine natures, was first of the divine nature, that is, from eternity. Afterwards in time it was made a suppositum of human nature by the Incarnation. And for this reason it is said to be humanized, not that it assumed a man, but that it assumed human nature. But the converse of this is not true, notably that a suppositum of human nature assumed the divine nature. Hence we may not say a deified or lordly man. Reply to Objection 3. This word divine is wont to be predicated even of things of which the word of God is predicated essentially. Thus we say that the divine essence is God by reason of identity, and that the essence belongs to God or is divine on account of the different way of signifying. And we speak of the divine word, though the word is God. So too we say a divine person just as we say, the person of Plato, on account of its different mode of signification. But lordly is not predicated of those of which lord is predicated, for we are not wont to call a man who is a lord lordly, but whatsoever belongs to a lord is called lordly, as the lordly will, or the lordly hand, or the lordly possession. And hence the man Christ, who is our lord, cannot be called lordly, yet his flesh can be called lordly flesh, and his passion is the lordly passion. 
Fourth article. Whether what belongs to the human nature can be predicated of God. Objection 1. It would seem that what belongs to the human nature cannot be said of God. For contrary things cannot be said of the same. Now, what belongs to human nature is contrary to what is proper to God, since God is uncreated, immutable, and eternal, and it belongs to the human nature to be created, temporal, and mutable. Therefore, what belongs to the human nature cannot be said of God. Objection to further. To attribute to God what is defective seems to be derogatory to the divine honor and to be a blasphemy. Now what pertains to the human nature contains a kind of defect, as to suffer, to die, and the like. Hence it seems that what pertains to the human nature can nowise be said of God. Objection 3 further. To be assumed pertains to the human nature, yet it does not pertain to God. Therefore, what belongs to the human nature cannot be said of God. On the contrary, Damascene says in On the True Faith 3.4 that God assumed the idioms, that is, the properties, of flesh, since God is said to be passable, and the God of glory was crucified. I answer that. On this question, there was a difference of opinion between Nestorians and Catholics. The Nestorians wished to divide words predicated of Christ in this way, notably, that such as pertained to human nature should not be predicated of God, and that such as pertained to the divine nature should not be predicated of the man. Hence Nestorius said, If anyone attempt to attribute sufferings to the word, let him be anathema. Confer the Council of Ephesus, Part 1, Chapter 29. But if there are any words applicable to both natures, of them they predicated what pertained to both natures as Christ or Lord. Hence they granted that Christ was born of a virgin, and that he was from eternity. But they did not say that God was born of a virgin, or that the man was from eternity. Catholics, on the other hand, maintained that words which are said of Christ, either in his divine or in his human nature, may be said either of God or of man. Hence Cyril says, again in the Council of Ephesus, part 1, chapter 26, If anyone ascribes to two persons or substances, that is, hypostases, such words as are in the evangelical and apostolic scriptures, or have been said of Christ by the saints, or by himself of himself, and believes that some are to be applied to the man, and apportions some to the word alone, let him be anathema. And the reason of this is that, since there is one hypostasis of both natures, the same hypostasis is signified by the name of either nature. Thus, whether we say man or God, the hypostasis of divine and human nature is signified. And hence, of the man may be said what belongs to the divine nature, as of a hypostasis of the divine nature, and of God may be said what belongs to the human nature, 
as of a hypostasis of human nature. Nevertheless, it must be borne in mind that in a proposition in which something is predicated of another, we must not merely consider what the predicate is predicated of, but also the reason of its being predicated. Thus, although we do not distinguish things predicated of Christ, yet we distinguish that by reason of which they are predicated, since those things that belong to the divine nature are predicated of Christ in his divine nature, and those that belong to the human nature are predicated of Christ in his human nature. Hence Augustine says in On the Trinity 1.11, We must distinguish what is said by Scripture in reference to the form of God, wherein he is equal to the Father, and what in reference to the form of a servant, wherein he is less than the Father. And further on he says, again in On the Trinity 1.13, The prudent, careful, and devout reader will discern the reason and point of view of what is said. Reply to Objection 1. It is impossible for contraries to be predicated of the same in the same respects, but nothing prevents their being predicated of the same in different aspects. And thus contraries are predicated of Christ, not in the same, but in different natures. Reply to Objection 2. If the things pertaining to defect were attributed to God in his divine nature, it would be a blasphemy, since it would be derogatory to his honor. But there is no kind of wrong done to God if they are attributed to him in his assumed nature. Hence, in a discourse of the Council of Ephesus, it is said, God accounts nothing a wrong which is the occasion of man's salvation, for no lowliness that he assumed for us injures that nature which can be subject to no injury, yet makes lower things its own to save our nature. Therefore, since these lowly and worthless things do no harm to the divine nature, but bring about our salvation, how dost thou maintain that what was the cause of our salvation was the occasion of harm to God? Reply to Objection 3. To be assumed pertains to human nature, not in its suppositum, but in itself, and thus it does not belong to God. Fifth article. Whether what belongs to the human nature can be predicated of the divine nature. Objection 1. It would seem that what belongs to the human nature can be said of the divine nature. For what belongs to the human nature is predicated of the Son of God and of God. But God is his own nature. Therefore, what belongs to the human nature may be predicated of the divine nature. Objection to further. The flesh pertains to human nature. But as Damascene says in On the True Faith 3.6, we say after the blessed Athanasius and Cyril, that the nature of the word was incarnate. Therefore, it would seem with equal reason that what belongs to the human nature may be said of the divine nature. Objection 3 further. What belongs to the divine nature belongs to Christ's human nature, such as to know future things and to possess saving power. Therefore, 
it would seem with equal reason that what belongs to the human may be said of the divine nature on the contrary damascene says in on the true faith three four when we mention the godhead we do not predicate of it the idioms that is the properties of the humanity for we do not say that the godhead is passable or creatable now the godhead is the divine nature therefore what is proper to the human nature cannot be said of the divine nature i answer that what belongs to one cannot be said of another unless they are both the same thus risible can be predicated only of man now in the mystery of the incarnation the divine and human natures are not the same but the hypostasis of the two natures is the same and hence what belongs to one nature cannot be predicated of the other if they are taken in the abstract now concrete words stand for the hypostasis of the nature and hence of concrete words we may predicate indifferently what belongs to either nature whether the word of which they are predicated refers to one nature as the word christ by which is signified both the godhead anointing and the manhood anointed or to the divine nature alone as this word god or the son of god or to the manhood alone as this word man or jesus hence pope leo says in one of his letters it is of no consequence from what substance we name christ because since the unity of person remains inseparably one and the same is altogether son of man by his flesh and altogether son of god by the godhead which he has with the father reply to objection one in god person and nature are really the same and by reason of this identity the divine nature is predicated of the son of god nevertheless its mode of predication is different and hence certain things are said of the son of god which are not said of the divine nature thus we say that the son of god is born yet we do not say that the divine nature is born as was said in the first part in question thirty nine article five so too in the mystery of the incarnation we say that the son of god suffered yet we do not say that the divine nature suffered reply to objection to incarnation implies union with flesh rather than any property of flesh now in christ each nature is united to the other in person and by reason of this union the divine nature is said to be incarnate and the human nature deified as stated above in question to article one third reply reply to objection three what belongs to the divine nature is predicated of the human nature not indeed as it belongs essentially to the divine nature but as it is participated by the human nature hence whatever cannot be participated by the human nature as to be uncreated and omnipotent is nowise predicated of the human nature but the divine nature received nothing by participation from the human nature and hence what belongs to the human nature can nowise be predicated 
of the divine nature. End of question 16, part 1. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.